Are you happy? Magic Seeds takes a good look at everyday challenges and gives solid advice on how to navigate through them, be it relationships, career, parenting, or just not feeling happy inside. I'm Dr. Adam Grise. And I'm Laura Grise. Please join us weekly to discuss everyday situations that seem to be getting in the way of feeling happy and peaceful. We'll provide magic seeds and a reliable roadmap for you to follow to stay on a healthy path for your life. Welcome back to Magic Seeds. Laura Grise, what do you got on tap today? Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Laura. Good morning, Adam. Today, well, <laughs> let's get down first, to business. let's talk about what is going on in our household. So soon, I choose to sign up our oldest. Hey, we choose. We. Can we just, listen, I know you have an agenda for today, but <laughs> to anyone out there who's spending most of the time maybe out at work and not doing the lion's share at home. Do any of you ever feel like you're being pushed out? Like all the decisions are I'm made by- I'm so sorry. It's always, this is what I'm doing with the kids. I'm like, whoa, whoa wait. I mean, I thought we're doing this together. You don't I, share a lot of things with awakenings. Well, I don't talk patient confidentiality. What am I supposed to say to you? <laughs> hey, guess what? We're really good at that. But honestly, like there's so many times, I know you don't do it on purpose because you're just I running mean, the show, but the three kids are like a tsunami. I don't have time. Like it's just like you have to roll with the punches and you have to make decisions very quick. And there's another thing. Okay. We <laughs> have to airing, make a decision. The airing of grievances. <laughs> Let's just start the show at the airing. Yes. We make a decision. And can we also talk about being a united front? Yes. Yeah. Parents. We are going to go online at about 4 a.m. You're going to do that with me? What are you talking about? To sign our two oldest children up for sleepaway camp. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> okay. You're going to wake up? Yes. I'm not <laughs> okay. going to wake up. No, I'm going to delegate it to you. We are going to wake up. <laughs> no, I don't need to be part of the doing. Oh, no, no, no. Yes, you do. I want to be part of the planning. Uh-uh. Nope. You are going to do it with me. We're going to get on both of our no, computers and sign them up. Inefficient. So anyway, anywho. Okay. <laughs> Last year, I signed our oldest up for sleepaway camp over at Camp Canada in Raleigh, North Carolina. I was so excited. I mean, I was so excited for this child. And when the time finally came up, she was excited too. And I think part of that is because she got to go on a shopping spree. Let's be honest. She loved that part. She did. It was the greatest. And I thought, all right, this is how we do sleepaway camp. We take them on a shopping spree. They're pumped. <laughs> they got new clothes. They got new things. They got a new trunk and send her off. Meanwhile, she, she crumbled. crumbled. She held strong. We set up her bunk. We were setting her up, her little cubby. And then uh, we were, went outside and we were about to say goodbye. And her best friend showed up because they were doing sleepaway with her. And she came over to me and grabbed me like she did when she was one year old and melted. And it was a one week camp. And she basically, she wrote us like little Hello, postcards. Mother. And Hello, fodder. Everybody's like, I'm crying every day. I'm crying all the time. But I got different messages from her counselors, by the way. And we also have a friend there who was kind of keeping an eye. Okay, maybe so. But she came back from camp and she was like, no way am I going back to sleepaway camp. Okay, right. Okay, and, so no yeah. way, right. Although I feel very strongly about sending them away for one week a year just so they can learn because I think our family dynamics is a little bit different, right? Our fi family dynamics is that the girls and I are together 24-7 with the exceptions of the times when they are at school. 
even when they are at all their activities, I am sitting there watching them and they are watching me to make sure that They're I'm watching, watching me them. watching them. Yes. They are what we call animals from the shelter Velcro kids, right? Yeah. So I feel it's okay because my history is I was very attached to my mother as well. So I want to make sure that we keep that attachment and that love, but a healthy attachment, a healthy love. And I think one of the ways of doing that is to send them away for a week in a very safe environment, in a fun environment where they are 13 minutes away from home. Not like I'm sending them up to the mountains four and a half hours away or Mm -hmm. bussing them hours and hours away. And I think it's good for them at the age of nine to learn how to do a week, go to sleep on your own, wake up on your own. I mean, she has her best friends. Of course, it's good. Our job as parents is to get them ready to leave the nest and be viable human being that can take care of themselves and is confident and strong and knows how to put up boundaries and love themselves, all that stuff. And of course, there's that process of where they're completely dependent where you're then raising them towards independence. And part of that process is kind of nudging them forward, even when it's uncomfortable. Challenging them. them. We have to challenge and we have to challenge our children because in my opinion, our kids live a very, very charmed life, like a ridiculously charmed life. Yeah. And I think they're spoiled. I think they're totally spoiled, rotten. I don't disagree with you. If we're both saying that, then why are we on the same trajectory? Do you mean me? Yes. Now it's <laughs> so you. So now it's now, just me. Well, because you make it you. If it was I know, me, I know. I always say stuff. I'm like, why are we doing this? Because you know, I like, will say this. I do watch them like a hawk in social settings and they are very well behaved. They are. They're polite. But that doesn't kind. justify like them getting everything. Okay. We're going off topic. Well, we're not because here's why. <laughs> here's why we're not. Today, you want to talk about children's coping skills. Yes, I do. But in a very different way. I mean, there are a billion, trillion podcast books, you name it, speakers about children's coping skills. And I want to go a different direction today. So what we're doing is, first of all, are they learning more from what we say or what we do? Just to backtrack to Callie right now, she's, let's just say traumatized, (laughs) right? From that's ridiculous Maybe because it Camp was, Kanata is amazing, but I wish but, but we, all of us talk about it. We wish we had a Camp hey, Kanata. you can't tell someone else what to feel. I think okay. we did have a Kanata, by the way. So you cannot, it's not fair to say you, someone else should feel something. You should have appreciated this. You should have had a great time. I she came back. That. And she felt traumatized by having to sleep there. She was, the Band-Aid maybe was ripped a year early. And you and I both agree that we want her to go back next year. And we feel like she'll be ready. We think it's going to be a different experience. And she'll go with Ananda. And she'll be going with the sister. And her best friends. Right. So, but here's the thing. If we're trying to challenge growth, right, Mm -hmm. there's kind of two ways that this usually happens. When we see our children uncomfortable, we say, "Mm -mm, this makes me too uncomfortable. So I'm going to Mm -hmm. shelter them. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to push them. They're not ready. We come up with a thousand reasons to justify why. I will not do that. Just so you know. But that's on one side. Then there's the other side. That's like, I know what's best for you. You're doing this. I don't care if you kick and scream and you're going to be grateful in the end. That may be me. That's kind of you. That's why you come in. And I would say there's a sweet spot there. Of course, we need to maintain the order of how we're raising the children. We don't let children raise themselves. So Uh I don't let them be the determinant for what we're ultimately going to do. But A, I like to make sure they feel they have a voice. 
I want them to understand why we're doing what we're doing. And our children have voices. Boy, do they have Trust voices. me, they have no problem with that. And C, I feel like the biggest thing that is required on our part is to lead by example. Absolutely. To show them that what we're asking them to do, this is the way we live our life. Mm-hmm. And I think in general, when you talk about whether it's running a country, whether it's running a company, whether it's running a household, or whether it's just running your own life, you have to maintain order. And that's what we're talking about. Parents are going to figure out what order is required and going to be maintained, just like a CEO would be doing it or a leader of a country would be doing it. But it's really imperative that the people that you are overseeing, whether it's children, employees, or citizens, that they're inspired, right? They're inspired to take action on your behalf. They're saying, you know what? This is uncomfortable, but I believe in you. So I'm willing to, like, I trust you. And I think that comes, I think of like Braveheart, right? The movie Braveheart or these Mm -hmm. movies with like old school. You mean the funniest movie, the the (laughs) comedy, number one comedy for my brother. I once asked him, I said, well, what's your favorite comedy? And he said, Braveheart. And I just looked at him like, I'm not understanding your language. I'm thinking maybe (laughs) that was his comedy saying that. At first I was like, wow, he really thinks that's comedy. That's hysterical. But now I think actually he was ahead of the game. Uh, God bless him. Okay. So anyway, like in Braveheart and those other movies where you'd see like the king would be kind of at the front and like, I'm not telling you guys to go into battle while I'm sitting on my throne. Like I am on the front line with you. I think it's really important if you want to help children develop strong coping skills that you have to show you confront those very same issues because it all boils down to fear, right? And just overwhelmment. That's just human condition. It doesn't matter whether you're 5, 10 or 50 or 80. It's the same, we're all dealing with the same stuff just on a different scale. And so if you can show a child that you are confronting things you're scared of and showing them how you confront it and the process you take, think it goes further than just steamrolling them. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the lack of coping skills in children, teens, and adults and what we're seeing coming out of that and the the negative behavior or the mental health aspect in our country. Okay, so in adults, even though most people are, they're just flocking to therapy nowadays, right? You always hear a person, oh, my therapist says this. Mental health is actually getting worse by the multiple metrics. And the suicide rates, they've risen to about 30% since 2000. That's nuts. It's nuts. I always think of, I was at the tipping point, Malcolm Gladwell, he wrote three great books I liked. I think it's tipping point maybe. Mm -hmm. And if I'm wrong, it's not outliers, but then it might be the other one. (laughs) Anyway, so he talks about in this like one country, I don't even remember where it was. And it was like South Pacific somewhere maybe. And how there was like no suicides. And then all of a sudden, like a couple popped up. And it almost made it normal. And then all of a sudden, it's like when enough- Oh, it's trending. When enough of something, right, it's like a trend. And when uh-huh. it hits a certain tipping point, it all of a sudden becomes normalized. Yes. And then it just starts taking off. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, feel- you see that with anything. And I think we're actually seeing that in teens right now. Because actually, in the interesting thing is, is that this stat is pre-COVID. Because the stats after COVID are so astronomical. There's such a major shift and we don't have a decade for after COVID. So nearly 20% of children and young people ages 3 to 17 in the United States of America have a mental, emotional, developmental, or behavioral disorder. And suicide behaviors among high school students increased to more than 40% 
in the decade of 2009 to 19. That's nuts. And in the stats, what happened after COVID, that's what you were talking about with Malcolm Gladwell, is that there's a trend now, is that now students are not happy, people are not happy. And why are they not happy? They don't have proper coping skills. We sit here and our teens are on their phones, they're on the TV, they're gaming, right? And it's a known fact that the brain waves change with the is the blue light and it keeps your brain stimulated and high wired. So then they can't go to sleep. So they sit here and while the parents think that the kids are going to sleep, they're on their phones or they're gaming until wee hours of the morning. And then they start suffering crazy insomnia, which leads to depression. Okay. So, I mean, and they're using the technology as a coping skill. Right. It's an avoidance technique. So the avoidance. So one of the major problems of a coping skill is avoidance. That's what most people do. They avoid the whole situation or they're not letting their junk out. What you and I always say is. That's, I think, what ultimately there's there's an order of how this stuff builds up, right? There's not just one variable. There's so many variables, but ultimately not knowing how to deal with the discomfort inside and mm-hmm. how to effectively release it mm-hmm. properly is sets us up for disaster. We've talked about before in other podcasts how it shows up negatively, the avoidance, right, of us not looking at our problems or not coping with our problems. So you've got the phone and the TV technology, I guess, in general, food, eating unhealthy and using that as a comfort blanket, I guess, in a way, comfort food. And sex and drugs and alcohol acting and blah, blah, blah. Out. Acting, acting out. Acting out. Right. So then here's the thing is that, so these coping skills are things that we do all the time anyway, like especially children. Okay. And we're going to go in and talk about that. But I think it's really, really important to mention here is that when a parent is at his or her wit's end and the child is freaking out and not able to cope, right? And you realize, oh my God, my child doesn't have any coping skills. Then is not the time to say, oh, breathe, go out for a run Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, right? So it's my belief, and I'm just going to give a quick example. I think I've done this before, but at a very, very early age when the kids could start talking, I had them look people in the eyes, say please and thank you. They couldn't even talk. like They couldn't even say real words, but I just put it in their heads constantly, every single time. Say please, say thank you look people in the eyes, blah, blah, blah. And I knew that they could, I got mocked. I got mocked by your family, actually. Jeez, don't you think? <laughs> my mom one time was like, geez, guys. Uh, right? And I was like, mom, do you know where that comes from? You. Yeah. You were incessant about please and thank you and because, make sure. But it needs to come at a ridiculously early age so that it or becomes a, a habit. Right. But also because it, it becomes a habit. Right. Now, it is important to mention also that it's never too late to start. However, just like the pleases and thank yous, I think those coping skills, developing them really, really ridiculously early is important because when the kid starts melting down, they already have those tools. And once they calm down, right, once they have that fit of rage, then they can use those coping skills, breathe or go out for a run or a bike ride. So I just wanted to give just a few examples of healthy coping skills for people. And then I think people are going to realize that their kids are doing it anyway, and maybe even then. And then I want to pose a question for you. All right. So for active coping skills, you've got running, biking, swimming. Those are the top skills because what they're doing is they're producing serotonin levels, high serotonin levels. 
But I mean, that's anything. I mean, you could punch a punching bag. Yes. You can chop wood. But actually running, biking and swimming are actually the top serotonin level producers for any activity. Yes, you can do anything, a punching bag, yoga, meditation, but those are the top three active. Active uh, Yes, because they produce such high levels of serotonin. Walking. Okay, that's another one. For the relaxing coping skills, you've got meditation, listening to calm music, breathing, reading, just going outside of nature, just feeling those vibes, the nature vibes. You've got creative coping skills, which is painting and drawing, journaling, playing with Play-Doh, Legos. How about they get lost in the world? Coming up with a plan. <clears throat> coming up with a plan would be a phenomenal idea. Is that journaling, or I guess journaling is getting journaling more out. the release. Yes, but again, like when you're saying creative, like the bottom line is we talk about the five components of the cycle of right. life. And what we teach so much, and there's five parts, and they each require a specific type of engagement, and it's a coping mechanism. Oh, that's neat. Well, then we'll go into that. That's great. And then social skills is hanging out with your friends, cuddling or playing with a pet, playing games together, family games, and maybe even sharing your feelings with somebody who you feel is safe to share those feelings. But those are just a few coping skills or coping strategies, all right? But here's what I want to say. I want to say is, what are you doing? How are your coping skills, right? So the listener here is more than likely an adult. And for this one in particular, since it's about children, it's more than likely parents. And what I want the parent to look at is, what are your coping skills like? Are you a crumbling mess or are you an avoider? Or do you dive in to the process? Right. And you and I are always teaching diving into the process. And Mm -hmm. although it might be the scariest thing in the whole wide world, but that process looks like, and I'm going to let you take over with the seasons because I think it's so important just going through the seasons and developing that habit, practicing it, practicing the seasons, because when the moment comes, that's just going to become a habit. And I really do think that that's just a golden way to go through the process. I just do because it's a plan. That's why we are developing the first course that we're going to create and right. really kind of playing around with what do you call this, right? Because it's so all encompassing. It's hard mm-hmm. to kind of narrow it down, maybe like GPS for life. That's what this is. It's just, we don't know, right? We just respond. Like if I'm upset and I'm not thinking about it, I'm just going to like, it's just going to come out. And I'm not controlling it. And there's a good chance it's going to come out sideways. Which is fall, letting go. Right. But displaced. Like if I have to go to the bathroom, I'm going to go to the bathroom. The bathroom analogy. You learn that, right? That's what you get taught as a child. You're like, oh, first it's in a diaper. And we're like, okay, we don't just let it go everywhere. Now we go from a diaper. We want to just get it away from us too. And so you don't put it on other people and you don't put it on your surroundings. You go and you get rid of it. And that's proper coping. Right. And so that's what we're trying to do here is to figure out how do I cope with where I'm at? It's not always time to release. Mm. Sometimes the reason I'm uncomfortable is because I feel lost. How many people out there just feel lost? Like Mm -hmm. just, and maybe everything they feel like they could do something if they just knew where to direct their focus. And if you don't know how to cope with that, you might just start being like, well, I'm overwhelmed with not knowing. So I don't want to sit here in this discomfort, so I'm going to just drink more. I'm just going to hang out with my friends, nothing. Absolutely. When what's really being asked for is to sit down and get in touch with what drives you and just start moving in a direction. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be the final answer. Just like pick a vector to start moving forward and then learning what to do with what you encounter on the way, which is the next coping. Like, oh, how do I stay true to what my actions were? 
And how do I protect that so I can really let that full expression kind of ride so I can see what it produces, which takes us to the next level. And allow yourself to feel that full expression because there are a lot of us who don't allow no, it's that un- full expression. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. What if I get judged? What if I fail? Mm-hmm. Right? What if this doesn't produce the outcome yes. I wanted? And I, I fail? And again, if I can't cope with quote unquote failure, and so again, it's saying now that I've <laughs> let it ride, now life is going to produce an outcome. And how do I cope with a negative outcome, an outcome I don't like? How do I even cope with a positive one? How many times do we get a positive outcome and our ego attaches to it and we want to tell everyone, I want to post it on social media. Or we crawl into a turtle shell and don't tell anyone because we don't want to seem egotistical and narcissistic. Or we're afraid of the pressure it's going to put on us to produce again. And so we sabotage. And so that's what this comes down to is how do we prevent ourselves from sabotaging our growth so we can continue to be reborn? And reach our fullest potential. That's it. Exactly. (laughs) So if we're doing that, if we're living that lifestyle, it inevitably brings us face to face with a lot of discomfort, a lot of times to let go of control because Mm -hmm. there's part of the cycle is about control controlling where I'm going to place my efforts and what I want to direct it towards. And we can control that part. We can't Mm -hmm. control the outcomes. And then once it's time to let go, it's the opposite of control. It's kind of jumping off the cliff into entropy and letting the decay happen. So everything we've attached to and everything we've created, we can let it die so we can come back to that place of stillness inside absolutely, and start our next step from a place of centeredness and making sure that our next step is also still aligned with something that's true to us. And we're just generally well, talking here, but what if we talked about Callie and now looking at us, right, as parents and how are we going through the seasons perfect. and how are we processing this okay. and helping her because come so, hell or high water, I'm signing her up next to- summer. So there you go, right? <laughs> There's two ways to say to cope, let's just say Well, subpar. she's scared. She's fearful. She is crying. She's We know where she's at, right? right? And that's fine. We're the parents though. So our job is to maintain order while also maintaining that inspiration. And so it's so easy. That's when your child is uncomfortable. Again, it's easier almost to just crumble to it and make them feel comfortable. And we've all done it, right? Absolutely. And then the other kind of pendulum swing is to just hyper control. This isn't a conversation. Right. Right. Author, authoritarian. Right. And the middle zone is often the most uncomfortable and mm-hmm. hardest, but it allows true growth, which is saying, okay, we're not going to necessarily compromise the order of what we feel needs to be maintained. But the best way to maintain that inspiration for the child is to let them know, again, being that king on the front line, like we're in this, this is how we live and not even trying to convince her that's how we live, but show her. Just showing her empowers her to own her own emotions and feelings. She's not being told kids don't listen. And and if I can go back to our title, I will tell you right now, kids don't listen. They shut off. They get this blank look. I know it. I know it to the truth of me, but they do learn from us. They don't want to, there are some kids that love structure and order and some kids that despise it, right? Adam, they don't listen to words. But the bottom line (laughs) is they're not going to listen to anything if A, it feels like it's coming from a place of inauthenticity, if they feel like they're being controlled, 
Ananda. <laughs> Stop controlling me. You're controlling me. It's like, Nandi, we're trying to help you, baby. Uh, baby, you're, stu- you're, a, you're a little 40-year-old stuck in an eight-year-old body. I'm so sorry. You'll get there. That's another story for that another time. That is another story. So to show, if we're kind of just trying to troubleshoot this, what is something that you or I or you and I are scared of that we are forging forward in a safe way with? Failing in this business. Okay. Then how would we show that? How would we put that on display for Callie? How would we bring her into our life? There's, again, a fine line between dumping your problems on your Mm -hmm. child. They're not supposed to be in a role, a parenting type of role that messes with natural order, but they don't feel responsible for you. But, But at the same time where they can see, oh, wow. Oh, so you guys are scared? I know what I need to do. I know I need to set my goals, right? And just put out there exactly what I want. And then I have to let it go. How does Um, that help Callie? Well, you're saying what is a good way? Showing her that- I think where she's at, I know where you're trying to go with that, where it's like, okay, I'm going to overcome whatever it takes to get to the end point. She doesn't want the end point. It's more she's in the fear mode. I mean, can we talk about our past and sure. me going to camp? I mean, I didn't want to leave my mom. I know. And, and then told she would send me anyway. And it worked against us when my dad <laughs> it did, big time. is like, Callie, let me tell you something. When I was a kid, I went to camp and it was terrible. And my mom like picked me up Leonard. and I never, I never had to go again. Like that. Wrong message, buddy. Confront us. Let us know what you're saying to our team. Okay. <laughs> Put it in a double spaced. Uh, Yeah. This is what I'm about to tell your kid. So basically, we can definitely pull from stories, but I don't think it hits home because it just sounds like we're trying to convince them. Again, Mm -hmm. when I'm talking to myself and I'm talking to my soul, there's a big difference of power for when I say, Adam, we got this. Adam, we got this. Mm -hmm. Adam, we can do this. Like I get being positive is good. But I don't want to be in a convincing. I want to be like, Adam, I am here for you regardless of what happens. I know what's huge and what has, what I've been trying to do consistently, maybe within the last year with our kids, is that when they show a great level of fear for something, right? And we've already, so right now with Callie, we cannot necessarily show her what I'm trying to say here, the positive results. However, I'm going to give a quick, quick example of one of our kids refused. They had to get school lunch for the very first time. No, I can't do that. It's so embarrassing. I'm not going to go up there and everybody's going to look at me and I don't even like pizza and all this stuff, which is totally false. So then I said, it doesn't matter. You are getting school lunch because I don't have anything to make lunch. So it's going to happen. Sent them to school. And when she got back into the car, mom, that lunch was the greatest thing in the whole wide world. I'm going to do pizza every week, blah, 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 blah. But what I'm trying to say is the most important thing is capturing that moment for that child is saying, hey, I want you to remember those feelings beforehand, how scared you were. You were scared to go up in front of everybody. You rejected it in every way, every angle. But now you love it. And to reinforce the behavior leading up to it and reinforce the excitement and the results afterwards, I think it's really, really important because we come up with this a lot with our kids because we do challenge our kids a lot. And I do find it like it's just an opportunity missed if you do not recapture those moments. Well, it brings up a really pertinent kind of relationship to self-care. I talk about this a lot on a daily basis with patients in terms of, hey, because it's our job to maintain order of our own lives, right? We don't have parents doing it for us anymore. 
And if we're not maintaining that order, we're not going to grow the way we want to. So if it's time to step out of our comfort zone and challenge ourselves, their mind is always like, I don't know if this is a good idea. And the mind can talk us out of it. And what I always tell people is when you're having that conversation with yourself, right, you turn inward. And if it's me, I'd be like, little Adam, I feel like this thing is going to be good for our growth. I know we're scared. I feel the fear. And I don't know if this is going to work out or not. But what I promise you is after we do it, I will take time. I'll even set a reminder on my phone to circle back around and we can reassess and we can see how we feel about it, see what went down, see what what we would want to change, see if it's like, you know what, that is just not right for us or if that's something that was great, like you're saying, and then we Mm -hmm. reinforce it. It's that circling back around that guarantees even if we do something that's not right, as long as it didn't kill us, we are going to make the proper adjustment. And I've had a conversation with Callie about this where she hid a piece of mail from camp. (laughs) She's like, dad, I got to talk with you. And I'm like, ah, Cal, I'm getting ready for bed. You know, she's like, no, dad, we got to talk. I'm like, all right. I go upstairs and she's like, dad, I took this out of the mail. It was from Camp Canada. It's like, it's the like (laughs) pay now type of thing. She's like, I just don't trust mom. She's going to make me do this. But yes, I am, baby. So I sat down. I'm like, Callie, listen. So you went once and maybe it was too early for you and maybe you got yourself worked up and it just kind of ran away with things. I was like, I don't think your mom and I could, based on one experience, just nix it now. And you're so afraid of it. And we did get some feedback. We know you had some fun, but it was overwhelming for you. We get that. Mm -hmm. And if we send you back again, just know it's because we think it's a good challenge for you. Mm -hmm. We think it might uh, stimulate your growth and we think you might grow into this. But I'll tell you, if you come back from this next year and you say, I tried it again, I gave it my best, I tried to have fun, and it's just not for me, I was like, then, yes, we have a much different conversation. Because now it's, I promise you, I will not make you stay in something that is not aligned with you. And it's one thing as a parent to challenge growth. It's another thing to just force an agenda when it's not a Because that's stifling too. And that's the thing. So it's like, even if she doesn't understand when we sign her up and she's kicking and screaming to say, hey, Callie, this is still open. Once this is done, we'll talk about this. And here's how it looks after a second round where we have a different conversation. And, and I even then told we her, can modify it after, even if it's a weekend. weekend I told thing. her if she didn't have so much fear right now, I was like, if it's your fear, Callie, I was like, we can't let that dominate your actions. We're not going to give into it if it's coming from a place of fear. And irrational fear, not like, oh my God, I got treated improperly there. Right. And she like had that. a blast. She did. I mean, she says that. So that becomes a totally different story. Yes, it does. And that's okay to revisit that after she goes through the second time. And the second time, she's going to be with her other sister who has never gone through this. And you know, Kelly thrives off of that. I'm not worried about her having a good time. I know she mm-hmm. is meant for this type of thing. It's like, I, I don't she even has think to it's get over her fears. Yeah, that's what the thing is. It's like when the fear, I told her, I was like, listen, Callie, if you were a cool, calm and collected, if you went last summer mm-hmm. and you were like, yeah, guys, it was awesome. You know what? I don't want to go. I'm not in the mood to go. I'd be like, we'd have a conversation. Absolutely. And I was like, and Callie, if you say maybe stuff you'd want to do in its stead, then yeah, let's talk about that. But this isn't about what you would rather be doing. It's about what you're scared of doing. Mm-hmm. And as and parents- And if you're scared, we're going to challenge you. Right. And again- by leading by example, that's what we do. We've had episodes on ayahuasca. 
that is petrifying, (laughs) right? And it's like, but the reason, at least for myself, that I do it is because A, I trust that it's safe and I trust where I'm doing it and how I'm doing it. Safe environment, right? And so I know coming out the other end, it's going to lead to growth. Exponential growth. And I remember fear dominated my life. Mm -hmm. Anxiety as a child and fear, it was just massively, I was paralyzed basically. Mm -hmm. And to the outside world, no one would know it but I internalized it and I felt that kind of vice grip on the inside. And it got to a point where I was like, that's it. I refuse to live my life in fear. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to have fear, but I'm not going to pander to it. I don't want the outline of my life to be created by fear. Because you miss out on so much and the amount of personal growth is so limited when you give in to your fears. Our mind is really good at keeping us in the box we're in. It convinces us. And it's good. Our mind should be doing that. We need something to establish some normalcy, some consistency. And safety. And safety, right. Mm -hmm. I want my mind to remind me that it's not safe to run into the middle of the highway. So we want some structure and I want my mind to maintain that. But it's my job as the king or the father, the parent of my life to challenge when it's time to grow out of, it's like a snake growing out of its skin, right? It's time for a bigger house, time Mm -hmm. for a bigger body. And in that sense, it came to a point where I was like, that's it. I was like, I need to challenge that. Anytime I come up against fear, if I know it's not fear out of I'm facing imminent danger, and I always ask myself that, I talk that about patients a lot, like ask yourself the question, am I in imminent danger right now? Is being in fight or flight warranted? And if it's not, my job is to be more receptive, calm and still so I can be receptive and assess, take in more information. I take in more information when I'm more still and calm Absolutely, and I'm able to think more clearly. So it's just doing that. So I know if there are things that are causing me agita, causing me just to be in that fear response, I'm going to go towards it because I don't want that informing my decisions. That's why I went skydiving the first time. That's it. You're going to face the fears. And then reassess, revisit it and celebrate yourself. Celebrate the fact that you even took that step forward to face that fear. It's not egotistical, it's not narcissistic, but it's a step forward in your growth. It's a major step forward in your Mm -hmm. growth. Whether you succeeded or failed, it doesn't matter. It's that step forward of facing, you know, grabbing the bull by its horns. And the awesome part is you don't even have to continue doing that thing. You want to make sure that if you're not going to be doing it, make sure it's not because you're afraid of it. Exactly. And then you can calmly be like, no, that isn't for me. So then what is for me? And that's coping. And so in as a parent, are you modeling that for your child? And if you're not doing that, then A, it's not fair for me to ask anyone to do something Mm -hmm. if I'm not doing it myself. Clean your room, but your room is a total pigsty, right? Eat this, eat that. Yeah, but you eat chips and ding-dongs. Chips and (laughs) ding-dongs. I haven't seen a ding-dong since I was 10 (laughs) years old. I see them in the grocery store. For real? They still have ding-dongs? Yeah, little Debbie's. They have like this small section in the grocery stores now. ding-dongs weren't Debbie's. I'm telling you. No, it doesn't matter. They have like these little small cardboard sections and they don't even, they have to like highlight them because if they put them in a normal aisle, I'm pretty sure no one would, I don't know, it's like putting a pack of cigarettes. Like everybody knows that they're not good for you. So they had to put it in your walking path and say, (laughs) here we are, but ding-dongs. I remember ding-dongs, they came in that like silver foil. Totally. Did we, you learn God, how we to- used to get like boxes and boxes from one of my parents' <laughs> friends for some reason. And then my parents would stick them in the freezer. 
Ding dongs in the freezer. Ding dongs, and we also had because we had so many. Like oh. for some reason, our parents <laughs> so got, you had to thaw them. And- <laughs> yes, our parents got massive amounts of ding dongs and those oatmeal cookie cream filled cookies in the inside. Almost home. I don't know. Oh my it's god! It's just they're oatmeal cookies too, and then there's cream in the inside. And I will tell you, I see them at the grocery store all the time. It makes me laugh. And there is a split second where I consider, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is probably the most unhealthiest thing in the whole wide world, along with ding dongs. <laughs> this is so irrelevant. And yeah. it's just that foil wrapper that yes. the ding dongs came in. We used to make little like wine glasses out of it. Never do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. We just inhaled the ding dongs. We would do it. And then we would fill it up with water. <laughs> and of course, we would only stay in there for a few <laughs> seconds, but it leaked out somehow. We would drink it. Oh, ding dongs. Okay. Aww. So anyway. You guys gave reverence to ding dongs. Good for you. Yeah. Ding dongs <laughs> and yodels. That was like a dessert that we get to What pick. are yodels? It's like a breaded, chocolate breaded, like hot dog, basically, but two sides. And the middle is a white cream. I mean, that's Swiss, Swiss rolls. Aren't they the same thing? Swiss roll was like an egg roll. Mm -hmm. This was more like an ice cream sandwich type of thing, Uh, but a hot dog shaped bun. If you're mm -hmm. eating chips and ding-dongs and it's like, no, you should eat this. It becomes very, like you said. Eat your broccoli, eat your lettuce, and I'm chewing on a... If you want to maintain order, you have to bring with it the source of inspiration. You have to be the leader. Right. That's what leads to inspiring. If you want your children to follow your lead, right, instead of just steamrolling them, mm-hmm. right, which is maintaining the order, good. And instead of pandering to them, which totally goes away from the order, but then all of a sudden they're inspired again, you need to marry the two. So to maintain the integrity of the order, but you're not going to inspire many people, like as a boss, as mm-hmm. a parent, as anybody. If you do as I say and not as I do. Let me tell you that my clients, when they come in for stress and anxiety, high levels of stress and anxiety, and they don't know how to cope with it, I will immediately ask them which parent had the same problem immediately. And they will give me an answer. They say, oh, my mom, my mom doesn't know how to, my mom has high anxiety. She worries all the time and this and that. So I know that it is a learned, that's my first question to them. It's a learned thing. And then I say to them, it's time to break the cycle. That's awesome. When parents come in and they're like, oh, my child is going through this and my child is going through that. And inevitably I'm talking with them about their stuff. And it's Mm -hmm. like, hey, you kind of see the similarities here. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, why not? Like tell your child what you're going through in the G version, right? Like make it appropriate, age appropriate. Don't want to put your problems on them. Right. But like show them, like put it on display and without even telling them what to do, they want to model. It's just such an, a powerful tool and we're teaching them how to cope. And there's, it's so often that you can pull from your own life and say, hey, we're doing this together. Hey, that you're really scared of doing this right now. You know what I'm really scared about? I'm really scared about creating this new course. And hey, how about we come together and when I want to work on trying to create it, you can work on your thing. The social factor, we're working on it together. It's a coping skill working together. Yes. So I think when we ask the question, like, do children learn more from what we say or what we do? I think it's what we do. And bottom line is, if you want to have good coping skills and you want to teach good coping skills for your children or for anyone, you have to walk the walk and to understand what's required or what's being asked for in order to promote your own growth. And it's to find that balance between maintaining the order of what's going to challenge the growth while staying connected enough that the inspiration remains. And having good coping skills leads to happiness. It just does. Ultimately. Uh, ultimately, but it, it also, does. Like you want strong coping skills. 
here's the problem that people, and we should wrap this up, I think, but the problem that everyone encounters is they say, oh, they'll listen to this and they'll write us after and be like, oh my God, thank you. That was so good. And yeah, I'm going to just start doing this now. And I know at the end of the road, it's going to feel great. I want to manifest something in my life. And the mind jumps forward to that, what it's going to feel like in the end. And The problem is it doesn't hold space for the absolute overwhelm that you feel Mm -hmm. when you're just facing the stuff and how scary it is. And like, we're not saying you miss that part. The reason people numb and distract and sabotage is because they can't, they don't like feeling those feelings. They don't like feeling scared. They don't like feeling overwhelmed. They don't like the voice of judgment in their head. And so if we're not willing to accept and to know how to navigate through the discomfort, you're just going to veer off again. So it's one thing. People always get excited in the beginning. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Like even just it's New Year's Eve and what's my resolution? What's my New Year's resolution? I'm going to work out. I want to take care of my body. Yes, I want to walk the walk. And they just, they're in that moment of inspiration. Good coping skills understands that you're not always going to feel that inspiration. So when the inspiration dies off, what's required? Where am I now? That GPS for life. It's like, wait, where am I? I'm not inspired to go to the gym anymore but I know I really wanted to, but I was really only relying on that feeling of inspiration to get to the gym. And it's just understanding what do I feel at different points and what's being asked for. And if you can follow that around, that is that roadmap that we use. And it's just, I don't expect myself to always feel inspired. It's okay if I'm scared. It's okay if I'm angry. I just need to know where to jump in on the cycle to perpetuate a completion of a cycle so I can grow again. That's the coping skills. And hopefully we get this course out sooner than later. We're going to put a course out, just kind of an overview of the cycle and how to navigate through life and just know what's being asked for at any point in anything you're involved in. What comes next? Just a plan. You guys fill in what you're going through Mm -hmm. and the course can then show you exactly what you said, what's next, what's required. And some of it will feel good. And some of it will put you in a place that feels bad. And you'll realize, oh, that's why I've been in the same pattern. I always get stuck at this one spot. And when I'm supposed to move forward, I go left or I go right. Um, And once we know that, then again, it doesn't always make it easier, but it simplifies things and it really guides us on what to do next. And it's a point of inspiration and it maintains the order. Great. I have to say real quick before we go, like us on, and I I don't like saying it, but like us on, this is on iTunes and Google and Spotify. Like us and leave a review. If you leave a review, then we pool all the reviews together and I'm giving out free yoga class, whether it's in person or virtual. So I just want to, if you write the reviews, it helps us out and so we can help out more people. Nice. Can I get a free yoga? Sure. Write a review. (laughs) All right. I'll do it. I'll do it. All right. Till next week. Nothing but love.